HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. HRN is offering complimentary business memberships to 50 Black, Indigenous, people of color-owned food businesses this summer. The deadline to apply is July 31st. Each business membership, a $500 value, is an advertising opportunity that will allow businesses disproportionately impacted by COVID-19 to connect with HRN's listening community and promote their work. To apply and review the terms and conditions, go to heritageradionetwork.org slash B-I-Z. Welcome to Meet in 3. Our editorial team is taking a break this week, and while we're away, we thought you might enjoy learning about a brand new series on the HRN airwaves. So, Sit back and enjoy a journey to Mexico with Lubank and Chava Perivan. This is Agave Road Trip. Hey, road trippers, it's time for another episode of Agave Road Trip brought to you by La Luna Mescal de Michoacan. Strap yourselves in, grab a copita, and have some La Luna. I'm Lou Bank. I'm Chava Perivan. And this is Agave Road Trip. In fact, this is the very first, it's, even, it's not even the first, it's like the zero episode of Agave Road Trip, in which we are going to explain to you what Agave Road Trip is and why we're doing it. And who we are, too. Oh, I guess who we are? Yeah, because, you know, like as much as you love me and I love you back, Lou, people don't really know why do we care about Agave Spirits. Yeah. Why do we care? It's funny. And why, actually, why do we happen to know anything about agave spirits if we happen <laughs> to know something about them? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. You know, so so I'm not even sure that I care about agave spirits. I care about the people who make agave spirits. It's why I got, obs- no, I got obsessed because I actually thought it was delicious. But that brought me to the communities where they make the agave spirits. Um, and then I started learning more and more about the families who make them in a traditional way. And that's... That's what fascinates me. And you don't own any bar, any restaurant? Are you a brand ambassador? No. Are you? What, what is your relation? What was your relation to mezcal before you got, or agave spirits before you got in there? You know, honestly, like for me, I just I I I had a job for 
just over a year working for a brewery in Oregon. And before that, I had literally not had more than five glasses of beer my whole life. I just wasn't a drinker. Uh, and I thought it was because, you know, all beers tasted alike. They all tasted like, you know, Coors or Miller Lite. And then uh, the world of of craft brewing um, descended upon me like an angel of death. <laughs> and I fell in love with it um, and then found out I was gluten intolerant and had to find something else to drink. And that was mezcal. And that, yeah. that was absolutely mezcal. I, I, thought, I thought at the time whiskey had gluten. Right, because it's it's right, right. I didn't understand that that was left behind in the distillation process. Well, let's just say you're not a scientist. Uh, right? I am not a scientist. I think we can very safely say that. Um, so uh, for me, it was I was trying to find something gluten free that was as delicious and diverse as as these great craft beers, and uh, that was mezcal. So I, I headed down to to Oaxaca a few years after tasting my first mezcals. And uh, and on the second or third trip, uh, I, I started seeing all these beautiful glass bottles at Los Amantes, uh, and I asked them where they made it, and they pointed me to this glass factory, Jacquiche. So my wife Connie and I headed over to Jacquiche one day, and hey, there was a guy named Chava. Underslept, having had a shower probably like in two, three days because I was working like crazy. Uh, my I had a rather crazy hair at the time. It was it was Christmas Day, I believe, and so you like you just looked the part of uh, celebrating the the birth of Christ. You looked like Christ. I did, I did, and I I remember that day perfectly. I was losing losing it because I was writing these grants. So at the time, I was specializing in combustion systems, Ooh. which is the fancy way of saying I was designing fire. I used to say that it was like every teenager's dream job, just being a paramaya, you know, a pyro and being paid <laughs> <laughs> for that. And uh, at the time, I was making that to melt glass for glass blowing, also to fire ceramics. And uh, when, when I met you, I think we just had started researching the dynamics that will allow us to make equipment for, for, distil for distillation. Oh, fascinating. And that must be why you had some agave spirits on hand for me to try. From Olegario. What's his last name? Olegario Juarez. You poured me an Araqueño that blew my mind. And I, you know, like, I really love Araqueño expressions. It's hard to find what I consider to be classic great ones now, at least to my palate. Um, but that was the best I had had and to that date, and I haven't had a better one since. And I was so confused. I was like, who is this gringo that knows that this is special? Because I will usually pour that to people just because we had a lot of it. They had bought... They had, my boss at the time, Christian Thornton, had bought maybe, I'll say a thousand liters, had put it in a water container unit, a Rotoplas, put that in the back <laughs> of his pickup, drove all the way from Sola de Vega to Oaxaca, and we had there thousand liters of Arroqueño to oh, our disposal. God, I would love to have thousands, that thousand liters. But so you, you know, up to that point, I had been visiting uh, my friends, uh, uh, Eduardo Anales and uh, my friend, Eduardo Anales in Santa Catarina Minas, uh, which is relatively easy to get to from Oaxaca Centro. And then uh, my friends from Mezcaloteca had uh, seduced me down to their ranch in Miahuatlan and introduced me to so many of their family members who make incredible agave spirits. But I had never ventured out on my own. And you said, oh, you like it. You should just go visit Oligario in, in Santa Maria Sola de Vega. Knock his door, smile, 
say, can I chase some of your beautiful stuff? Yeah, absolutely. It made it sound so easy. And, you know, I, I found myself one day, uh, a couple months later, in Oaxaca with a rental car with nothing to do, no obligations, no people I was responsible to, a GPS unit, uh, and and there you go. And I, I left uh, Oaxaca Central at like 6 a.m., and just headed south to Sola de Vega, two and a half hours. Roughly. And it's a crazy highway full of curves. Oh, like yeah. my, a, a cow might jump in there. Yeah, it's, an, <laughs> it's not an easy road. It's not an easy road. So I, I pull into the town, and the first uh, the first people I see are three gentlemen on, I swear to God, on burrows. And I, I pull up, and I motor down my electric rental car window, and I say, in, in my finest uh, Espanol, Por favor, donde es maestro mescalero oligario? Which means, where is maestro? <laughs> <laughs> where is he? Where's, where's oligario? And they laugh and laugh and laugh. And when they stop laughing, I say to them, por favor, donde es maestro mescalero oligario? And this went on a few times before finally somebody said something to me, at which point I realized, Oh, I am speaking to them in Spanish, but I I don't I don't speak Spanish. So they're answering me. I don't know what they're saying. And luckily, he pointed with his hand and I followed down the road and I kept doing this for like 30 45 minutes. And to all fairness, that's the only way you get directions in Oaxaca because if they are going to give you more than a sentence, it might be completely wrong. Oh, there, so, were, so there were full paragraphs. No, I know. So yeah. that might, that's, I also use that policy even if I speak Spanish. Okay, like, fair. I'll just, fair. I'll just see the hand and I'll be like, okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll take this piece of direction. I'll ask for the other piece of direction when that direction is not good enough. So it's universal. <laughs> yeah, it is. It uh, is. So, um, so I did this and, and kept going back and forth until at one point somebody made two hand signals, which suggested to me that I had missed the left hand turn that I'd driven by. So I followed that down and eventually came across another person on this little turn eventually i mean it couldn't have been more than like two city blocks came upon this guy and i said that to him uh por favor donde es maestro mescalero oligario and he said you're looking for oligario yeah he's right over here perfect english and it turned out it was oligario's son and oligario's son had just moved back to his uh, hometown to live with his father brought his three children with him uh, girls they were like four eight and ten years old um and they had grown up their entire lives in California, outside of Los Angeles. And suddenly they found themselves in this tiny little community. They were like, how did we get here? And not even inside the community itself, like at the outskirts of the community. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah, because yeah, Oligario yeah. lives like really deep in Rural. there. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And they were like, where, where did you come from, gringo? They were so excited that somebody showed up who spoke English. And, and they wanted to know, why in the world would I come from Chicago to visit Santa Maria Sola de Vega? And to me, and this is actually, I think, the reason that we're doing this podcast, right? or certainly the reason I'm doing this podcast, um, is, is for that moment. I got to say to these girls that I am here visiting your grandfather because what he is doing is unlike anything that is being done almost anywhere else in the world, that their grandfather was making magic. And that magic, that magic is why everybody should go visit rural Mexico to see something that shouldn't exist anymore. It's definitely, 
I wouldn't say that it's even fighting for survival, but I think one of the, my favorite things about the artisanal craft environment or situation is that it's so flexible. Like, it'll be able to refuse to die, no matter the circumstances. No matter how many people go in there, this is completely efficient, this is not worth the effort, they will survive. Yeah, no yeah, matter it's, what. it's a good point. You know, I think people, when they hear that some of these men and women in rural Mexico are making their spirits in this this handmade, antiquated um, way, they get the sense that it's because they can't afford to do it some other way, they don't understand how to do it some other way. But time and time again, I keep seeing that instead, whereas the world that I live in is focused on efficiency, how do you do something in a more efficient way? In rural Mexico, in these communities, they're focused on how do I get the better result? And they just don't believe that the better result is going to come from the, the industrialization. Beauty has nothing to do with efficiency. And I think they understand that better than anybody else that I know. Yeah. So that's, you know, to, to the, the point being made here, I guess, is that's why we're doing Agave Road Trip. I want the world to get ex to understand what these spirits can be. I want the world to go and visit rural Mexico. I want to send money to rural Mexico so that they are able to continue doing what they're doing the way they're doing it. You know, the, I, I've, got, I've got no problem with multinational corporations getting into Mezcal. I get it. Like the, the, it's something delicious, something great, something that the world has never seen. Of course they're going to jump in there. Are you kidding me? Right. There's no <laughs> stopping it. Um, and and I understand that after they pay millions of dollars to buy up these brands, that they have to they have to protect those investments by buying up the agave farm so they can continue to access the source material to make these spirits. Uh, but in doing so, they also take away some of the sources that these small families had to get their agaves and keep doing what they're doing. So to me, this is about helping those communities access the dollars they need to be competitive for the agaves and need to keep doing what they're doing the way they're doing it. And visit them before some of them, uh, like God forbids, but we know that some of them might disappear. And I think this is one of the, it's a great chance to visit them at their best when okay. they're thriving. Amen. So let's sign off of this intro and, uh, and then get started on the next episode. Agave harvesting. See you in a minute, Chava. Yes. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lou Bank and Chava Perivan. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.net. Distributed by Heritage Radio Network, the best network in the world for podcasts about food, drink, and agriculture. Agave Road Trip is brought to you by La Luna Mezcal de Michoacán. Hey Lou, I was wondering if you ever drink mezcal cocktails, and if you do, do you happen to know any secret obscure formula to make them truly delicious? <laughs> Why, as a matter of fact, Java, I have. I have tried the Cupriata Mezcal from our friends at La Luna Mezcal. Uh, so you know, it's one of it's one of my favorite, if not my favorite, of the cocktail mezcals, what people call cocktail mezcal, and it's sort of a term that I think people use uh, uh, sometimes derisively. But I gotta say, I will drink neat mezcal cupriata from La Luna, and I also enjoy it in a cocktail. And I don't tend to drink cocktails that much. 
Uh, it's funny. I, I had uh, my friend uh, Michael Rubel at Asterio make some uh, cocktails for me, and I asked him to try different mezcals in them, and my favorite blind taste test was the one that had the La Luna Cupriata. Special thanks this week to Lou Bank and Chava Periman, and to our sponsor, La Luna Mezcal from Michoacan. Remember to subscribe to Agave Road Trip wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back with a new episode of Meetin' 3 next week. Meetin' 3 is produced by Hannah Forden, Matt Patterson, Kat Johnson, Dylan Hoyer, and me, Katie Mosman-Wadler. Our audio engineer is Matt Patterson. Our theme song was composed by Breakmaster Cylinder. This program is supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. Meet and 3 is powered by Simplecast. Meet and 3 is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org and follow us at heritage underscore radio. And please stay in touch. Whether you have a story idea or would just like to say hey, write us at ideas at meetand3.nyc. That's all spelled out.